Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. All right, welcome to the Side Action, episode 18 of season four. My name is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter. So, Action, as you can see, I'm not in my not in the Edgewater studio today. I'm in uh, downtown Memphis. As you know, my friend Angela, who was my co-host for the Mix and Mingle Singles, Eminem Singles group, is getting married today, uh, tonight. So, flew on down and... I'm in the Curfew Bar, which is the lobby bar of the Canopy by Hilton Hotel in downtown Memphis, and it's a nice little spot. I'm right by the AutoZone Park, which home to the Redbirds and the uh, Memphis Football Club. The Redbirds are a baseball team. So. Cool. Nice. nice little away game for you today. The Curfew sounds like an appropriately named bar for you in this podcast, so I'm glad that you found a little spot there. Got a nice little view of the street. Yeah, cheers. Happy today. New Year's Eve Eve. That's right. That's right. A little, uh, don't want to bring us down action, but you may or may not have saw my post about um, Jeff Dickerson. Dickerson is a, a Chicago-based ESPN writer, and kind of like for 18 years I've been listening to AM1000 mm-hmm. in Chicago. Unfortunately, he lost his battle with colon cancer, which was crazy. Uh, he's only 44. Turns out that my cousin went to high school with him. Huh. So I actually visited him in hospice like this weekend. Um, I was surprised by that because I had posted because they, they raised some money for his son who's 11 because he's lost both his parents in the last two years because his, his mom died like two years ago from you know skin cancer. So anyway, um, you know it's Parker's Fund if you want to on GoFundMe if they want to finance it a little bit. He's gotten plenty of um, support. I don't know if you've checked it out, mm-hmm. Action, but your guy uh, Jim Mersey put in like 25 G's and he's raised, they've, they've, they raised almost 700 grand for the kid, for the kid right now. Um, cause obviously he doesn't have parents. So anyway, that was my little plug, but, uh, it, not that I knew him personally, but just kind of like the voice of the bears and a lot of sports here in Chicago. Yeah, definitely a sad story. I too listened a lot to JD back in the day on the sports radio shows and uh, saw that news from Adam Schefter on Twitter. Very sad story. And uh, it's good to see the NFL community come out and support his son. Absolutely. So, you know, drink on drink on JD for us for the side action here. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, anyway, just to I know, sidetrack this a little bit here, but, you know, was your, you had a nice weekend besides our, you know, dismal performance in the in the Circa Million. But um, did you do okay? Yeah, yeah, I uh, scratched out a little profit on Sunday in the NFL despite our performance. Some props and totals helped me get uh, to the window and had a very enjoyable time with family down in Indianapolis and got to see some high school friends as well. So it was a great holiday weekend and looking forward to another one here. That's awesome. Um, As you know, I turned uh, the big 48, approaching 50 really quickly action. You know, didn't do a lot, watched a lot of movies, sat around. I did work this week. It's nice to actually have a day off today, although did some more calls, but still. <laughs> and then looking forward to New Year's Eve. I'm going to end up switching venues. It was all about ping pong this year. We were at Spin, but they closed operations, so now we're doing Ace Bounce, which is, uh, I think you've been there with me. That's yeah. a really cool ping pong bar in Chicago, so that's going to be our venue for tomorrow for the New Year's Eve party, so I'm pretty excited about that. Sounds fun, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's jump into the Week 16 recap, which wasn't great for us, but um, I'm sure somebody did well out there. Um, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, uh, there's been a little bit of a correction in the market, which we knew would happen. It just it's happening regularly now, where now it's about split down the middle. The underdogs came in at seven and nine against the spread this week. I had road dogs at five and six, um, and then road teams in general at seven and nine, and our totals at seven and nine, you know, to the under. So basically nine and seven to the over. So it's finally happening. Action. We're finally getting money on each side of the, of the, the card, so, so to speak. 
Yeah, it seems like week in and week out, it's either one side or the other. But uh, as you can see, seven and nine, pretty much across the board, totals, sides, dogs, etc. So uh, we're finding that middle ground again. And I, I think, though, that some of the cream is rising to the top in terms of the better teams mm-hmm. in the league. Maybe not necessarily covering their big spreads, but uh, we did see some of the, the the class of the league really poured on this week between the Cowboys, the Chiefs, and the Buccaneers all come to mind as covering big numbers. Yeah, drop the hammer on those teams. Uh, we did have two te- two games again affected by the spread, so you're starting to see that play out too, where it's almost like one or two every week, which is again that 15% that I've targeted for the season. So uh, unfortunately, that did hit us by <laughs> again. <laughs> with Atlanta this time mm-hmm. but um, but in general if we can pick the pick the side then we usually come out a winner um, we'll see if we can do better this week so uh, well hey some of the highs you, you kind of mentioned uh, some of the other teams but I, I put on the bills you know we had kind of differed on this last week but the bills came out and the thing I noted from this action is that coach McDermott he was like in as I put FU mode he was like I'm gonna go for a fourth down I'm gonna cram this team we're the better team we're going to make these guys, even though they got stuffed one time inside the, the 10, they're going to keep going for fourth down, and Josh Allen was excellent in this game. They brought the blitz all the time against your guy, Mac Jones, and he struggled again. So they did make a late run, the Patriots, but in the end, uh, the Bills you know, were the dog, and they won outright fairly easily, easily in this game. Yeah, it was certainly a statement win for the Bills and putting a stranglehold on the division as well. And... Uh... They, you know, we've talked about it on several occasions this year. They don't hold back in the fourth quarter, whether it's a short spread in this case or even the big spread games. They really like to pour it on. And I was going to add, you really hit the nail on the head with Josh Allen rushing yards. He had 64 rushing yards, which was a key to the victory as well. Right. I do question, we could talk about that maybe in the playoffs or maybe another week, but they do kind of not like to run the ball with the running backs. Mm -hmm short it's always Allen which can work but I think against better teams it's going to be tough you know I mean not that the Patriots aren't a good team they're good but I mean I noted the first time when they got stuffed inside the five it was they had fourth and goal from the one and they decided to throw every time yeah they've got to find that running game to be successful in the playoffs Um, the next high I noted was Miami and we've been not talking about them that much but I know we did mid-season with Tua coming back this is the first team in NFL history action that has lost seven straight games, and now they've won seven straight games. It's amazing statistics. So they're still on the verge of the playoffs at 8-7, and seven, but we'll see what happens. But are you thinking that you'd fade the Dolphins down the stretch, and mainly because, I don't know if you looked at the quarterbacks they faced, besides Lamar Jackson, they faced no one. Yeah, yeah, they really have lucked out in the quarterback opponent department. You know, going up against the Saints four-string QB last week, Ian Book. Before that, it was the Jets and the Giants and the Panthers. No quarterback uh, hierarchy there. And uh, I I do think it's helped them quite a bit. And, you know, this week going up against Tennessee, certainly another team that I'm looking to fade. But I'm not sure that the Dolphins are the team to do it with. No, I agree. It's a tough one. I'm thinking more definitely the playoffs Mm -hmm. because they hit, you know, the cream of the crop and they might struggle. The last high I noted was um, the the Bengals' offense. Um, this is a team that, look, when their offense is clicking, there's almost no better offense in the league because they run the ball as effectively as they throw the ball. Your guy Joe Burrow, you know, action was big on him in the LSU days. 525 yards uh, passing on just four, 46 attempts and four touchdowns, 8.2 yards per play overall. That's pretty impressive. And, um, do you think this team, this offense is better than the Chiefs offense? On some occasions, yeah. I mean, they definitely have more weapons, it seems like, on the outside. Between T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and the rookie phenom Chase, Burrow and the tight end Uzoma, I mean, all four of them are really dynamic weapons. And you add in the running back and Joe Mixon, I do think that the Bengals ha- are more potent. Um, certainly... On the Chiefs' side, they are predominantly it's Hill or Kelsey, and the running mm-hmm. backs don't offer a ton of uh, dynamic playmaking ability. And so I do think the answer to that is yes, and um, luckily they get to face off against each other this weekend. I do think the Chiefs' defense has a little bit more to offer than the Bengals, but I can't wait for this game on Sunday. 
should be a great showdown game, but it also could be you know divisional matchup. We see that in the future, so mm-hmm. but that'll probably play in Kansas City. But we'll see how it goes. On the low side, I mean, this was one of our picks. You know, on Washington football team, they just—I don't know what happened to this team. They just didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Um, they got crushed. I mean, America's team was all over them from the jump and never looked back, scoring just a boatload of points. I mean, the game was over in the first five minutes. Any explanation for this action? I mean, you know, we we can't follow the Washington football team at this point, right? No, I mean, it could be a buy-low opportunity this week, but uh, it was definitely over right away. I don't have an explanation for it other than they just weren't prepared, which was surprising given that it was a divisional game and a division that they still had a chance in if they had prevailed. So, um you know, even Gibson, who was hobbled, was out there and playing. I mean, sure. they quickly realized that they weren't going to win the game, and they pulled him, rightfully so. But they couldn't do anything on offense or on defense. And I, I really think that uh, that Cowboys uh, pass rush was the answer there. You know, I had talked about last week how the Cowboys had benefited from a lot of turnovers, and mm-hmm. I still think they're a little bit lucky in that regard. But you can't deny their ability to rush the passer. Heineke was under pressure throughout the game, and he just couldn't get any throws down the field. Right. I mean, I do think that sometimes it's a little bit, there is turnover luck. But in this case, at this stage of the season with Dallas, I do think it's the pressure that's leading to the turnovers. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. It Mm -hmm. could be that it's inflated. But I think at this stage, I think they're actually a really good defense. Um they may not have been that way in the first six or seven, eight games of the year, but the last four or five, they've been really good. So the other one is the Steelers. Um, you know, we obviously didn't pick the Chiefs. We should have probably done that. But the the Steelers just got rolled in Kansas City. And it's really another future performance by the Steelers offense and defense, to be honest with you. The Chiefs were great, but I did see today in a tweet that looks like Big Ben's last game will be this, you know, this, this season. So I think that. It's, it's time, but, um, I mean, I didn't think they really had a – they have a little shot at the playoffs, but I think they're done. But um, just a horrible performance. Yeah, they were awful on offense. And uh, Najee Harris, Ben Roethlisberger, the wide receivers, it was just an all-across-the-board all dismal effort. Getting Tyreek Hill back out on the field was big for the Chiefs. I think that was one of the reasons that we had stayed away from them ultimately. Our last pick was the Eagles, which ended up covering, so not sure that it would have changed much for us in the contest, but right. uh, definitely a big win and cover by the Chiefs. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I just as this is real time and our proxy is blasting me for some of the stuff I put out on a, on my post about the Raiders. We can talk about that. Um, <laughs> maybe inaccurate in my post, which is fine. I don't have a I don't have a fact checking department except for you. <laughs> um, so anyway, the last one is Baker Mayfield. I think that we've talked about this at the beginning of the season when I was big on the, the Browns and thinking they'd do really well this season, especially in the playoffs. You asked me the question, do you think Baker Mayfield can do it? And I thought he could, and clearly he cannot. Um, now, granted, he had four interceptions on Christmas. Two of them were probably not his, but in the end, he's holding this team back. It's kind of a shame, to be honest with you. I don't think the Browns can make the playoffs, but they need some help, mm-hmm. and they need to really win out. They outgained the pack in this game, still had a shot late, and they covered the spread, but they just they can't get the wins that they need, and it's mainly the quarterback play. Yeah, 219 rushing yards from the Browns rushing attack, 8.8 yards per carry, Jeez. and ultimately it was Baker's four interceptions that lost them this game because if he had just held the ball and they would have continued running, you would presume that they were going to come down and score at the end. And uh, they ended up losing 24-22 to the pack and really uh, gives them a difficult chance of making the playoffs now. I know that they have the games on their schedule to get them back and still have the potential to even win the division if they win right. out. But uh, you certainly have to question Baker Mayfield's play. And I wonder aloud if Case Keenum were playing quarterback throughout the stretch run, if the outcomes would have been different. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, mainly because I think he's hurt. Maybe he could play better when he's not hurt, even though it's his non-throwing shoulder. But um, we'll see. they got two games to try to make it right. They're still in the mix, even though they're they're sitting on the wrong side of you know, seven and eight, so they've got to win out. I need some help. But it's definitely going to be something in the offseason. They're going to have to decide what they're going to do with Cleveland. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's go over the key injuries for this week's considerations. Obviously, we still have a lot of positive stuff. Now, they did, you noted that they've cut down the timeline to five days instead of ten for asymptomatic players, regardless of vaccination status, right? Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of people that have tested positive, including your guy, uh, Carson Wentz. Um, so he could return, but um, kind of not a strange move. I know that's the CDC guidelines, but it's interesting because <laughs> you got to wonder if some of the other teams are going to be pissed because they changed the guidelines midseason, right? Yeah, I've heard some rumors that folks out in uh, Vegas think that the league changed the policy just to F the Raiders because the Colts were the one team that had their quarterback uh, that hit the list. And then several hours later, they changed the policy, and it appears that Carson Wentz could be in line to play now on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I initially, when I first saw the report from the CDC, we had a family text that was ongoing, and my response was I thought it would be rather tricky for the lead to go and change the policy right away. And then two yep. hours later, Adam Schefter tweeted that it was happening. So um, it seems like uh, the NFL is more interested in the profits and getting the season done on schedule and with their star players in the game. And they made the decision to do so, to follow the CDC guidance. Um, I'm not going to question it from any perspective. I'm looking forward to having players out on the field as well so um it'll be interesting to see how it's going to make it way more difficult though to determine who's going to be in and who's going to be out because it seems like it's a very subjective way whether they have symptoms or not so presumably everyone who's within the five-day window should be out there week in and week out right i mean if if they don't if they have a negative test or something that would be the that's that's more objective right Mm -hmm. but Maybe they've defaulted in their guidelines to the CDC guidelines. They say whatever the CDC says, we're going to do, and that's their their veil. But I mean, teams that you know lost people for ten days two weeks ago, uh, yeah. I'd be pissed. Yeah. I'd be pissed. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll, I digress. Uh, you've noted that Taysom Hill and and Trevor Simeon are back with the Saints. You know they're still in the mix for the playoffs. Surprisingly, um, you've got. Tyler Huntley on the list for Baltimore. You know, they had to start, what, Josh Johnson last week? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, Josh Johnson at the 11th hour on Saturday morning. I believe that was announced. I did see this afternoon that Tyler Huntley is now off the list, so he could be back okay. out there depending on Lamar Jackson's status. Okay. And that's huge. I mean, Baltimore is a really fascinating case. They are – they really – I mean, they've fallen out of the playoffs. They've lost three straight, right? Um, but this team was, like, at the top of the league or top of the AFC for a while. So they're really just a win away getting right back in it. I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I mean, they've got to win some division games here going down the stretch. Yep. You just mentioned Lamar Jackson, so he's limited practice. Um, you got a video surfacing that he – him moping around the field. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it, but he they it was just a clip that surfaced yesterday on Twitter, and he threw a pass, and they were moving up, moving the chains, so to speak, and he was having a really hard time just getting from the ten yard drop up to the line of scrimmage. So I can't imagine, based on that video, that he's going to be ready to play on Sunday. Got it, got it. Um, you've got Ryan Kelly; he's set to return, which is huge, and then you've got Quentin Nelson as well and Mark Lewinsky. So they're going to be back. They ended up winning the game in Arizona. We ended up staying away from the game, but they ended up winning outright uh, at Arizona. And they didn't, they still got over 100 yards rushing, you know? Yeah. I mean, as pretty as they've done in the past, but they made it happen. And now that they got their heart and soul in the middle, they should do quite well this week. I think with or without wins, we can talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Yep. You got James Conner on here, you know, for the Arizona. He didn't practice on Wednesday after sitting out Christmas Day. Now, I thought that Chase Edmonds looked fine, too, so True. it's not a drop-off. You've got Jimmy G, who, you know, he's got this UCL thumb injury, which I'm not that familiar with that per se, but it's got to affect him gripping the, the football. Um, it looks like Trey Lance is going to be starting. That's a huge move, uh, I think, for for the, I don't know, for the handicap, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely, especially with the Niners laying such a big number. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more. Sam Darnold's expect to start ahead of Cam Newton this week. I mean, good God, the Panthers. I mean, who? it has been a carousel there. Not really sure what to say about that one. Um, I guess we can talk about it. That team seems like they're completely done, in the, you know, dead in the water, but mm-hmm. maybe it'll make 
happens. I'm not sure. And then Teddy Bridgewater, he'll be out um, again this week with a concussion. He did kind of screw us. Sorry, Teddy, we love you, but putting Drew Locke in there, that team could not score any points. They only scored when they got the ball at the one-yard line in terms of the end zone and didn't cover against the Bulls. <laughs> Sorry, Action, I talked you into that one. Um, <laughs> I think we screwed ourselves with the Drew Locke pick, though, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, Adam Thielen had ankle surgery, so he's done for the year. But Dalvin Cook will be back in there for the Vikings, which puts a little more pressure on Dustin Jefferson and that passing game. So another team that's fighting for their lives to get in the playoffs. Yeah. Let's go over the power ratings here. Um, you know, not a huge differences, just some flipping around. I did list the top 10 teams just so I can get a full picture of the playoff teams. You've got the Bills at one still. But the Cowboys, Bucks, and Cardinals are kind of in that kind of deadlock for that three, four, five. They're really close. Then the Patriots, and look at the Chiefs. They're up to six in my index, which makes sense. They've been playing great. Your Colts at seven. The Rams have been playing very well at eight. And your Eagles are actually have jumped the Packers uh, at nine and the Packers at ten. So I don't even see the Packers in your top eight on DVOA. Yeah, I mean uh... – you know, it just has to do with their defense. I think two weeks running now, we saw Tyler Huntley carve them up on the the comeback versus the Ravens. And then uh, last week, the Browns were running all over them on the ground. And even though they're in the number one seed right now in the NFC, it's hard to believe that they're going to go out and make a run through the playoffs with that defense. It's so. crazy. They're going to probably still, unless they lose to the Vikings, which I don't really see, but... You know, they, they could still host the, you know, NFC Championship game yeah. at home. So it's, it's really interesting. It's very similar to last year. So just we'll talk about that maybe in a playoff preview. We need to fade the Packers down the stretch. Let's jump into the line to action for Week 17. Now, this is a unique week. We don't have a Thursday night game tonight. There's no games on Saturday. It's all Sunday games, Sunday and Monday night, right? So, um there's a Monday night game, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's unique. We don't have the pressure of throwing games out, which sometimes hurts us. Um, let's True. start off at the top of the, the list. This is your squad. I mean, Vegas is going to Indy. Indy opened as a seven and a half point favorite. Um, you know, obviously initially 48 point total. Then the Wentz news came out and totally flipped the other way a little bit. But now in the contest, it's back to six and a half for the Colts at home with about a 45 to 44 and a half point total. So I'm guessing if Wentz starts, you're you're on board with the Colts, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that this is a hammer spot for the Colts. They're going to have the line back intact. And even though the Raiders have been okay against the run this season, 10th ranked, I still think that uh, that line and Jonathan Taylor are going to be able to have a lot of success on the ground. And I'm not sure on the other side that the Raiders are going to be able to move the ball much at all. Um I'm not sure if you followed the line movement on Tuesday, but it was wild when the news was rumored that Wentz was going to be out. You saw it crash through seven, six and a half, down to five in some shops. Then the news broke, and it looked like it was going to open at two and a half. And then several hours later, Schefter tweeted they were going to change the policies, and it's right back to seven. So we got yeah, so a chance to get the five. Good yeah. you. Yeah, or even the two and a half. I mean, uh, we got a pretty clear picture from the betters and odds makers about what Carson Wentz's value is compared to Sam Ellinger. And uh, I, I mean, I think you mentioned it in your notes. In terms of the backup quarterback, Ellinger, I think that uh, he's certainly no Wentz, but he brings a little bit of a different dynamic to the offense given his running ability. Yeah, and uh, I would be curious to see what the line might end up if it actually is Ellinger that gets announced. Yeah, I, me too. Um, so, I mean, we obviously, I don't know when they have to determine that. Do they determine that on Saturday or will they have to determine it on Sunday? They uh, will make a determination on Wentz's status on Saturday afternoon, I read. So we could wait for that. I, you know, six and a half is a bigger number with Ellinger, but I do think they're going to win the game. I think they're going to just run more. He's going to be, you know, maybe they'll do a little bit more where he's going to have planned runs for him uh, and shorter passing attack. I mean, Pittman was obviously huge in last week's game. He's a great target for him, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Mm -hmm. And he's actually played pretty good the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, probably would drop. I would, I'd probably go below the six and a half, I'd imagine, maybe like five and a half or something. But 
I don't think it would go all the way down to two and a half. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that either way, we should consider Indianapolis. It certainly would be a contrarian play if it ends up being Ellinger. That's announced before the contest cutoff time. So um, something we had to talk about on Saturday. Much to our proxy chagrin. Uh, so yes, yes, Dave, you might be right that the Raiders can win out and make the playoffs, but they're not going to. Do uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so the next game on the card is um, I'm sorry, change the little thing here. We've got um, the Giants going to the Bears. It's a one o'clock game as well. Bears open as a four-point favorite at home, thirty-seven and a half point total. The Bears are up to six in the contest and in the market, thirty-seven and a half to thirty-eight point total. I don't really understand this action. I mean, they had a comeback against Seattle, who stinks, by the way, the worst defense in the league in terms of yards against, with Nick Foles at quarterback. I can't lay these points with the Bears. I mean, I'm not going to back the Giants, but I'm certainly not going to lay it with six with the Bears. Yeah, yeah they, uh, the Bears last won a game by more than six points way back in week five against the Raiders, and yeah. uh, they certainly have are not used to being favorites of this magnitude. Uh, I did read that Justin Fields was back at practice, which I think, given the history that we've witnessed recently, is probably a downgrade for the offense. Nick Foles yeah. started last week and played really well. He did. And uh, regardless, I can only look one way here, and that's to the underdog side. But Jake Fromm was awful last week, and they, too, ping-ponged quarterbacks by bringing in Glennon late. <laughs> It's you know it's more I guess a fate of the Giants this this line because they aren't good, mm-hmm. but God I mean they actually they hung tough for a few minutes. <laughs> the second half was a totally different story than the first half against the Eagles. The Eagles I was kind of sweating at it in the first half and then all of a sudden yeah. they just opened the pass in the second. But I don't think the Bears had that same ability. Oh um, yeah. Maybe obviously they they scored a lot of points against Seattle in the fourth when they were just chucking, but. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the Giants' defense is decent. They're not, ter- not terrible, right? So, anyway, it's a stay-away, right, action? Is that okay. the easiest way to put it? Yeah, okay. I think so. Let's make it simple. Keep them off the card. Um, all right, so the next game on the card is Tampa uh, going to the Jets. Uh, the Jets, I'm sorry, Tampa opens an 11-point favorite on the road, 45.5-point total. It's 12.5 in the contest, but the market's 13.5. I don't know if explain that, but um, are they just trying to get you to take Tampa? I mean, look, Tampa's going to win this game. I don't see the Jets rising up and winning, but 12 and a half is a big number, even for a, a good team like you know Tampa. And they had some injuries. I mean, I, I'd rather stay away unless you're really feeling Tampa right now. No, I'm with you. I, I think that it's, it has to be Tampa or pass in this game, but uh, given the injuries that they've sustained, and it looks like that Mike Evans might, missed the game this week now too as he's questionable with hamstring strain they are just down a ton of weapons and although they got the cover last week against carolina i'm not banking on them doing it two weeks in a row yeah i know that was uh, (laughs) a we'll see how it goes but that was at home they're a much different team at home and the jets actually got a win i mean they they obviously played the jags it was a battle of the toilet bowl there but um you don't think there's going to be a late surge with the jets you know finish the season strong no, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm happy to hear that, Ashton. A year ago, you'd have been all over the Jets. So, yeah. All right, let's go to the next game then. The Falcons are playing the, the Bills. The Bills open as a 13.5-point favorite at home, 44-point total. It's 14 in the contest. The mark is 14.5. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of one of these things. Like, Atlanta has sucked against good competition. They did beat the Lions, but we can talk about that later. I thought they got outplayed in that game, even though... Mm-hmm. They won the game. I mean, I might be able to back the Bills here. Uh is a huge number, but they have been smashing crappy opponents. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I think that uh, you know, we've picked the Bills in these spots a couple of times this year, laying big numbers at home, and we've come away successful in a few of those occasions. And uh, they certainly like to pour it on late. Um, I think that the Bills' defense is going to be set up to stop the Falcons' passing attack. Uh, certainly, they'll be able to key in on Kyle Pitts this week. And, uh, you know, the other thing is Matt Ryan and the Dome team offense going on the road to Buffalo. I don't think the weather looks good for this coming Sunday, and that is not an ideal scenario for the Atlanta passing attack. So 
um, I would certainly lean to the Bills as well. Okay. Well, let's put it as a yellow. Um, definitely something to consider. You know, just the 14, I might get a little squeamish, but you know, Atlanta technically is still in the mix too. I mean, they are, but I find it hard. I mean, if Buffalo, the only thing I can see is a letdown spot because they have the big, huge game against the Pats, but they still have to win to get the division done. So mm-hmm. see what happens. This one is an interesting one. Arizona going to Dallas. Uh, Dallas Open is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. 50-point total. It's all the way up to six in the contest. Um, Dallas at home, you know, minus six. With 51-point total, 51-and-a-half in the market. So what do you think the move is here? Why is is that – do you think that line was set earlier? I mean, I'm, I know that Arizona's struggling, and they've mm-hmm. – we get to the Kingsbury flameout that he's done for every year that he's been a coach, but – it seems like a big move. Is there is there news that's affecting that? No, I mean, I was watching this number on Sunday afternoon, and right before kickoff Sunday night football, you could have had the Cowboys at three, and hmm. uh, and it obviously reopened after the game into Monday morning at five and a half, and now is pushing six here in the contest, and I think it's predominantly based on last week's performances on both sides. The right. Cardinals, you could argue, would have been in that game if it weren't for the lack of a holder on the place kicking duties that certainly affected Prater and resulted in several missed kicks and then on Sunday night football the Cowboys went out and just waxed the Redskins so uh, I think that the move is presumably based on those two outcomes which led some value to the Cardinals yeah I had that too Uh, I'm just trying to pull up a game log here because I know that the Cardinals have been trending down Um, and they've lost three straight games They've played a couple of good opponents in the Rams and the Colts, but you know, I guess that was those were two home games actually. Yeah. So, but this team before the Detroit loss um, was a really good road team. Uh, it's I mean they were seven and zero on the road, seven and zero ATS. Uh, it's a tough one, Action. I, I mean, you probably didn't read my article, but I I am all over the Cowboys despite Mike McCarthy. Um, think they're going to be a Super Bowl representative i don't think they're gonna win but um i don't know i mean how how strong do you feel about arizona here plus plus six i i I think there's some value i do uh even despite connor's questionable tag you mentioned that chase Edmonds came back last week and had a whole slew of catches and rushing yards as well and i'm reading that rondell moore who also did not play last week is now probable so that'll give them another weapon in the passing game and I, I do I think that their road performance is going to bounce back a little bit this week after the three straight losses. And I really think that you're getting at least two, two and a half points of value here going up to six. And it's going to be tough to pass up on a good team. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's kind of as Kyler Murray goes. And I just kind of, I know this is a narrative that isn't part of the numerical handicap, but he's coming home, right? Isn't he a Dallas kid? Yeah. He's, he's a Texas kid. He's going to be playing against his team. I think he played great last year against the Cowboys, if I recall, and that might have been midseason. So maybe we, yeah, let's put this one as a yellow. I know that it's kind of contrary to what the Cowboys have been doing, but it's definitely an inflated number. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be an index pick, right? Yeah, you've got it down there. For sure, for sure. Um, Okay, so then you've got uh, Carolina going to New Orleans here. New Orleans Open is a seven-point favorite at home, 39.5-point total. It's That's what you see in the contest, seven, 38-point total. So we think that who's going to start this game? Is it going to be Trevor Simeon? Is it going to be, you know, uh, Taysom Hill, or does it matter? <laughs> well, I think it matters. I, I've read that it's supposed to be Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. He of uh, little passing ability, and, uh, you know, he, he had a hand injury in his own right before going on the COVID list. So I think that this number is just way too big for a Saints offense yeah. to lay in any football game, especially yep. when you consider how good the Carolina defense has been this season. I just don't see how you could ever get to a seven. So there's definitely value on the underdog in this game, but I'm not sure that I'm willing to put our contest on it. Yeah, probably not the contest. I mean, to your point, I have it as a five-point uh, you know, advantage for the Saints at home. And again, this is season long. It's They've played so poorly the last couple of weeks, it's hard for me to trust them, but mm-hmm. I'd happily stay away on that one, actually. Okay. Here we go. Philadelphia going to Washington. Uh, Philadelphia opens a two-and-a-half-point favorite home, or on the road, three-and-a-half-point total. Now it's three-and-a-half in the contest, 
45 point total or less in market, 45, 45 and a half. Uh, has Washington given up? They still have a, a glimmer of hope for the playoffs, okay. but it's not big. And these two teams played, or did they? Yeah, they played earlier, right? Yeah, it was two weeks ago on that Tuesday nighter, the, the COVID moved game. So that's kind of a throwout game. I just kind of feel like Washington's given up, dude. I, I don't. I'm not saying I'd back the Eagles 100% because I don't love three and a half, but it's certainly, I would only go Eagles and pass or pass on this one. Mm, this is tough because I, I think that you, I have seen some sharp money coming in on the Washington side so far this week. It's okay. opened at four and um, I'm just pulling up the bet splits. 63% of the tickets are on the Eagles, but you saw the move down to three and a half. Yeah. And, um, it leads me to believe that there's sharp money on Washington, which I think is going to be tough to get behind. Definitely. Right. So I, I think it's probably more of a pass too. Okay. Let's just pass. Let's make it some course action. Let's pick some okay. best games to choose from in the end. Um, and I guess I should have said that it's kind of a weird ordering here. That Arizona game and the New Orleans game are the four o'clock window, but the Philly game is in the Back to the 1 o'clock window games, you've got Kansas City going to Cincinnati. We mentioned this at the top. Uh, Kansas City is a four-point favorite at the opener, 47.5-point total that's on the road. The Chiefs are a five-point favorite on the road at Cincinnati, and the total is up to 49.5. I can only expect that number to go up on the total. I, it's a tough one, Ashton. I think this is a Bengals, you know, this is the thing. The Bengals crap the bed when they've had opportunities like this against the Chargers and stuff. But at home, getting getting you know this five points it's almost an auto pick even though i love the chiefs and they're playing great football yeah yeah i think this is a inflated number that we're seeing here just due to the chiefs being public team yep this really should probably be closer to a field goal with the Bengals at home and you've got to say arguably this is probably one of the biggest cincinnati home games in the last five to eight years it is um the division on the line still certainly this win would go a long way towards solidifying that division championship right and uh i I was just gonna say i i mentioned that earlier i think that the Bengals are their offense is humming right now and i think even though the chiefs defense has been good i think that the Bengals are going to keep it rolling well you can run on kansas city for the most part even though they've been a little better of late and the, the past defense has been good for KC, but, I mean, these guys have a litany of weapons. I mean, if they come up to play, I do think Cincinnati – look, this game in the playoffs might be a different story, right? You're playing in your right. head. Uh, yeah. You've got Burrow on the road, you know, in a big playoff spot. This is – look, they could fall flat on their face, especially after the big win against Baltimore, but, I yeah, I think you got to do it. You've got to in this one, buddy. I'm sorry, Cincinnati for this one. Do you think that this one might be heavily picked in the contest or more of a stay away from the crowd? Well, the contrarian pick would be the Chiefs, right? <laughs> but Maybe. What, is the, what are you seeing for betting splits? Um, majority of the tickets are on the Chiefs, actually. Um, let's see. I just flipped it over away. I think I saw six. Uh, oh, no. Scratch that. Uh, 53% are on the Chiefs. Okay but only 26% of the money. So you're seeing a lot more of the big bets on the Cincinnati side. Right, right. I do think it probably will be heavily picked, but I, I kind of – we can talk about this in a minute. I think we just need to get picks right. So I'm okay if we are with consensus on a few because last week we avoided the consensus, but then we obviously got snake bit because we couldn't get any picks right. So Yeah, yeah. All right. A uh, couple more in the 1 o'clock window. You've got Jacksonville going into New England. Uh, New England Open is a robust 15.5 point favorite at home, 42.5 point total. In a contest, 16.5 action. It's huge. And a 41.5 point total. I mean, I, unfortunately, I can't back the, the paths at that number. It's just too big. I know you'd love to see a Jags uh, outright upset here, but um, I mean, the number's about where I've got it, but it's like, I mean, this it's different. I think the you know, the Patriots could be happy with a you know, 10-0 win in this one if they won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it might be, too. I really like the, the total in this, although it's uh, appropriately lined at, like, 41 now. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't 
you definitely would not see me lining up to back the Patriots offense laying 16 and a half points. I mean, they only averaged 26 and per on the season. Right. So uh, definitely a huge number for them to lay. And I definitely have no interest in Jacksonville either. So should be a pass. I like it. I'm liking this pass action. Um, okay. So now we've got the last one o'clock game is Miami and Tennessee. We kind of talked about this a little bit. Tennessee open is a three and a half point favorite at home. 40 and a half point total. They're three in the contest point favorites. It's a 40 point total. Interesting situation action. Uh, what do you believe? You know, the, I do think the Brable's been an amazing coach. They still have to win the division because if they take a stumble, then they could get jumped by the Colts. Um, but Miami's played really well, um, despite playing crappy quarterbacks. Do you think that that AJ Brown return who played incredible in their win last week? is a carryover to this week against this Miami secondary. Yeah, I mean, A.J. Brown was awesome last week, bossing those San Francisco DBs late in the game. And I do think that uh, this number at three makes it tough to side with the Miami Dolphins. I, you know, it's it opened at three and a half, mm-hmm. and there, you maybe could have gotten me to the window uh, with the Miami ticket at that number, but at three, I think that it's probably – the value lies with Tennessee in this one. But, again, it's just tough for me to back them because I have them on my fade list. So is it just a stay away then for you? I think so. I mean, do you have an inclination one way or another? I think the line's dead on. I think I have it at three. Uh, it's These teams are not dead even. The Titans actually are a little bit better than the Dolphins in the metrics, which doesn't surprise me. I think their defense is playing really well. I do think that Miami's going to struggle to score in this game. It's going to be a really low-scoring game. I like the under. 40 seems like a low total, but neither of these teams like to, you know, score a lot of points. I mean, since Henry's been on the lineup, Tennessee doesn't play those high-scoring games. So, yeah, yeah, I I guess I would just, if I had to pick a side, I'd probably take the Titans, but I don't love it. Three is a, it's a perfect number. You're you're almost begging for a push on that one. Mm -hmm. All right. That sounds like a good pass, too. Yeah. Okay, so we've got back to the 4 o'clock window. We've got uh, Denver and the Chargers. Uh, Denver failed us miserably, and the Chargers, I don't know what to tell you. That was probably, I didn't put that. <laughs> oh, yeah. God-awful. And they really probably have been. a spot. Dude, I mean, they, 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 they're out of it right now. They can still get back in it. But anyway, the, you know, that was the Chargers lost at Houston. Uh, the Chargers opened as a 6-point favorite at home, 45.5-point total. It's 6.5 in the contest, 45-point total. You know the index is going to tell you to take the Broncos, but I can't do that with Drew Locke. I, I'm sorry I tried to push us that way last week, but damn, he was bad. And the Chargers really can't cover many numbers themselves. Um, they have to win this game now. Now it's a must win for them. I mean, Denver's still in the mix, but so I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying to pack anybody. I just, it's Chargers a pass for me, though. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, unless for some reason we see that Bridgewater gets cleared, and then I think you could see some value on the Broncos side. Sure. Because, the, I mean, just like we talk about every week, the Chargers are going to get torched on the ground, especially yep. if Pat Shermer has any sense this week to play Javante Williams more than Melvin Gordon. I don't know how that guy still has a job. But I don't know. The, uh, Javante Williams should be able to shred this Chargers defense. And even, even with Drew Locke in the lineup, it would give me some pause about wanting to back the chargers because of that reason and sure. so i think it's we should pass unless we see some change in bridgewater status and i'm fine with that i think i'd rather take a bigger spread with a team we trust i mean it's one of those things the chargers last week and we ended up not taking mm-hmm. the Chargers, even though we talked about them as a potential pick and they just came out and just dunville i mean but your guy davis mills played good and that's mm-hmm. the lead for the next game but um yeah okay let's pass for now so here we go. Houston goes to San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco is a 15-point favorite on the opener, 44.5-point total. They're down to 12.5 now at home, 44-point total. Davis Mills has played well. I don't know what the deal is. The the, the defense has played decent. Um, if you've got Trey Lance in the lineup, how can you lay the 12.5 with the Niners? You can't do it, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Even with a banged up thumb Jimmy G. I don't think that you could expect that the Niners are going to cover this 12 and a half points with any regularity. Right. So the value is all with the Houston Texans. 
I just wonder if this is the wrong week to back them right. after the big upset win against the Chargers last week. I know. It's like you chase the chase the Texans when they're going to play well. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine to pass on it, um, but certainly don't want to back the Niners. And It's a team that they, I mean, obviously the Titans played a good game, but they blew it too. They, they were basic. They're in the playoffs still. But mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this team could be better, you know, and I guess it's Jimmy G or whoever. Trey Lance isn't the answer either. They're going to probably have to get another quarterback next year. Yep, yep. All right, so then we've got Detroit going to Seattle. Uh, Seattle opened as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I don't know who opened that line. Obviously got that down to seven in the contest. 42-point total at the opener now. It's 43, 42.5. I mean, Pete Carroll's done, right? I mean, I'm not saying that they can't win the game, but they certainly shouldn't be laying seven points against anybody. I actually think Detroit, I have to look really quickly, let's see. Detroit versus the Bears. They are, like, dead even in the index. I mean... Huh. Look, the Bears came back and ended up winning the game outright in Seattle. I don't expect that for Detroit, but this team plays hard every week. Yeah, they certainly do. And now they're getting some of their offensive players back. Jared Goff cleared the COVID list. He'll be back. And DeAndre Swift is going to be back this week as well in the backfield. And uh, this is another team in Seattle that has a hard time putting points on the board. They've only they've only won by this margin uh, three times this season against right. the Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then Indianapolis all the way back in week one. So uh, this is certainly not a team that you want to be laying a touchdown with. And uh, given the way that the Detroit Lions have been playing hard every week this season, they're now 10-5 and five against the spread. Right. I think there's definitely some value with the Lions at seven. I bet this already personally, and I think – I would back it in the, the contest also. I think we got to put a yellow on it. I, I, you know, Detroit has been a spoiler most of the year. They, they, middle of that year was kind of an up and down performances. Mm-hmm. I think the Campbell's building for the future. Don't look at the records because I think Detroit actually, in a way, is a better team than Seattle. Um, just yeah. because they're, there's something going on. I think it's just kind of the last days of Pete Carroll in, in Seattle, and certainly they can win this game, and Russell can hit you know Metcalf deep a couple of times but I just like the way Detroit's just being competitive in every week they should have probably mm. Falcons last week yeah definitely and they've covered six out of the last seven games their lone loss against the spread was that week in Detroit when they had flu bug in the locker room right that was against Denver right yeah right. Mm-hmm. yeah Denver yeah okay oh I'm sorry I misspoke we do have another one o'clock game action this is a lot of order this week uh the Rams are playing Baltimore in the next matchup, uh, the Rams open as a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road, 45-and-a-half-point 45, 45 total as the opener, and then 30, it's three-and-a-half in the contest for the Rams on the road, 46-and-a-half is the market for the total. Kind of an interesting spot here, action. Um, it's kind of that classic Rams going from West Coast to East Coast, early time zone, as it is 1 o'clock, I'm assuming now. Um so Lamar is not going to play? You don't know if he's going to play? I'm just reading between the tea leaves, and um, you know, the official report says that he's questionable with an ankle. Um, he's been absent from the previous two games and is up in the air if he will be active. He did get in that light practice yesterday. I haven't seen any reports from Thursday today. But, um, I mean, I, I would almost, as a as – a, Full disclosure, I like the Rams in this game. And as a Rams backer, I would almost prefer to see Lamar Jackson in the lineup, okay. given his current injury designation, than sure. Huntley. Um, so based on that, I think I have every expectation that it's going to be Tyler Huntley this week. And uh, I think that the Rams defense is going to be able to stop him. They have the pieces to get pressure on him and keep him in the pocket. And right. they also have the secondary that can match up with the Baltimore wide receivers. Okay. So I like the Rams. And then on the flip side, the Ravens secondary will get a couple of pieces back that were out with COVID last week, but they just got ravaged by the Bengals last week. And mm-hmm. with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup coming in, I have expectations it's going to be more of the same on that side of the ball. Right, right. Yeah, it's tough. I, I don't love the number, um, mm-hmm. but I hear what you're saying. Do you, What are the bet splits on this? Do you think it's going to be a low pick game? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure uh, in terms of the contest perspective, but um, 
Let's see here as I pull it up. It's 83% of the tickets on the Rams right now and 47% of the money. So kind of opposite there. It looks like more of the money is coming on the Baltimore side. Yeah, this goes on a number probably. Um, I, I mean, I have the number at three. It's, it's, it's right about the number. It's not like a major value. So it's really who's going to win the game. And I do think the Rams will probably win. I just get a little bit squeamish because, you know, Harbaugh's a good coach. At some point, yeah. this going to play better. They've played like shit. They've, they've lost, what, three or four straight games. You know, are they going to lose out the rest of the season? I don't see them doing that. But this is a tough opponent, so... Let's put a yellow on it. We can discuss okay. it on Saturday. Uh, certainly can be talked into that one. Sounds good. Okay, the two primetime games we've got. Minnesota going to Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay opened as a seven-point favorite at home. 46-point total, and it's really the same. It's seven-point uh, favorite for the Packers at home. 47 points or 47.5 on total. The market's at 6.5 for the spread, but it's pretty similar. Look, you're probably going to take the Vikings here. I, they just screwed us, bro. I, I, I don't know this team. Their defense stinks. Uh, maybe that's just a better being bitter. Um, it is a little bit inflated, you know, to your point probably to uh, – it's you know, I have five points for the Packers at home versus seven. Do you really want to get on board with the Vikes in this one? Initially, I thought no, but – now, seeing that Dalvin Cook is going to return to the lineup, I think that they're going to shred the Packers in the running game. I know that the weather is supposed to be really, really cold in Green Bay on Sunday night. I saw reports of uh, less than 10 degree air temperature, and certainly that's not going to help the Vikings passing attack. But right. I think it gives even more of an edge to the Vikings being able to run the ball against the poorest Packers D. They're 31st ranked against the run. And a team that can run the ball like that against right. the Packers has, I think, an edge in covering seven points, certainly. Yeah, I mean, God, I, you know, I, I want to believe you, Action, I do. Uh, it's just, you know, this team had their golden opportunity last week, and, you know, that hurt us in the contest. But, um, yeah. And the, and the Vikings did beat the Pack, right? Um, in game one? Yeah. I think they did. So it was a little revenge spot for the pack, but um, but to your point, maybe there's a matchup advantage with Dalvin Cook. Okay, let's put it as a yellow. Okay. That might, might be the, the fifth pick that we pick on Sunday. <laughs> Stupid Vikings. Um, I think Zimmer's getting fired this year. That's the other thing I feel. I feel like he's done. It, it, make the playoffs or not, I think that they're going to be an early exit. He's got a very talented football team, and they just he makes bad decisions, and for whatever reason, they just can't get their defense right. And really, that's his expertise, and it's just – it annoys the hell out of me, frankly. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Uh, going back, looks like – What did Stanford have last week? Three turnovers last week, and yeah. I still couldn't – Yeah, and two of them were in the opponent's red zone. So uh, hmm. they failed to punch it in on one of those occasions. The, the big punt return was certainly yeah. a backbreaker, though, that brought the Rams back to that 7- or 10-point margin, I think. Okay. All right. The last game of the, the weekend is Monday night. Uh, Cleveland's going to Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh opened as a one and a half point favorite again. I don't know when they put that in, uh, but then it flipped over all the way over to the Browns minus three and a half on the road. Uh, the market's three though for the Browns as a three as a road right? and then forty one is the total. It was forty one and a half on the opener. So that's probably about right. I mean, the bottom line is, is Pittsburgh done? This is showing that Pittsburgh is done. Um, that, you know, this will be Ben's last home game and yada, yada. You know, does he have one more session in him? I uh, don't love the three and a half for the Browns, but I do think the Browns are going to win the football game. Yeah, this one's really hard because you I just have the feeling, you know, as soon as I saw that news come out today, that Big Ben announced this will be his last home game. And I just thought to myself, this is like the hammer stealer spot, you know? And uh, especially against the Cleveland offense, that hasn't been able to do much passing it. And we talked about earlier in the show about how much Baker has struggled recently. It right. seems like it's going to be difficult for them to cover such a number in a low-scoring game. Divisional matchup on the road with so much on the line. and uh, But yet, Pittsburgh has been really bad this season, too. So it's hard to think about putting a contest pick behind them. So yeah. maybe it's more of a pass for us. Pass this bad boy. Okay. All right. I'm game. 
we've got enough picks to, to decipher. I don't want to put these two teams. Both these teams have failed us. I mean, Cleveland yeah. has, I think, four picks this year have been negative. I mean, they've probably covered once or twice, but they never cover for us even when they win. And then the Steelers, uh, what can I tell you? Yeah. But, uh, okay. I think that's the right move. Yeah, I think so, too. Let's go over the, the spots that we've talked about. We talked about the Colts uh, at home, six-and-a-half-point favorites over the Raiders. Buffalo, 14-point favorites at home against Atlanta. Arizona getting six points at Dallas. Cincinnati getting five points at home against the Chiefs. Detroit getting seven points on the road against Seattle. The Rams uh, laying three-and-a-half against Baltimore. And then the Vikings uh, getting seven at uh, the pack. So I like those picks a lot better action than our passes, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have a good little menu to choose from on Saturday. Right. Okay. Well, just the contest update for everybody. Sorry, everybody. We failed you. We, I was really excited, but traditionally, apparently week 16 is our bugaboo. We have to figure that in the future in action. Yeah. Last year we went 0, 4 and one. So this year we're one and four. So that's an improvement by half a point. <laughs> um, that drops us to 45, 34 and one which is still 56.8% on the season, which is great. Uh, it's 70, you know, 703rd in the overall contest and then 854th in the fourth quarter. If you noticed action, the top guy only got two right of themselves. They were 57.23. They're down to 71.25%. And then the uh, top 50, they're 51 and 25 and one. They went two and a half. So they weren't, we didn't get crushed. They went down to uh, 64 64.38%. So I do think it's a little bit of a Herculean effort, but we could do it. Uh, yeah. 901 action. Let's do it. We got two weeks. Let's do 901. I still think we can get in the money. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, we mentioned that earlier, but this is the point in the season where motivation becomes a real factor in NFL handicapping. Some teams have quit on the season and others have little to play for who might have locked up their seed. So uh, there's certainly some edges to be found in these last two weeks of the season. Yeah, I think we just have to keep that in mind. And, and I think at this stage, even though we're still game theorying a little bit, let's just make sure we lock in picks that we feel really good about. Mm-hmm. And then we can fade. You know, we have to make tough decisions every week. That happens all season. But yeah. let's make sure we get a couple under our belt because a win's a win. And, and in the end, uh, you know, we're still sitting. I mean, look, 700th out of, you know, 4,000 and whatever it is, that's still solid. You know, we're still doing good. Would love for us just personally, whether we get in the money or not, to hit that 60% for the season, which would be an all-time best for us. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for accommodating me, Action, in my uh, travels again and lovely Memphis. Uh, what do you have? Anything going on for the New Year's for yourself? Yeah, uh, we got a, a family visitor in town this week. Marcus is visiting. Today's his birthday, so we're going out to dinner tonight, and then. Uh, Watching football tomorrow, probably lay low on New Year's Eve proper, and nice. uh, then get back up and do it all over again Saturday and Sunday. That's awesome. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to be hitting that ping pong bar for um, tomorrow night. I hope they're going to have the games on there because I'm really excited about the semifinals, which we didn't talk about this week. I know I failed us. We could talk about the championship, but you know, I'm a big I'm a big Wolverines backer this year. Action! I hope they they can do it against Georgia, which probably should be the game of the day. Um, certainly I'll root for Cincinnati against, um, yeah. Alabama, you know, it's going to be a tough one. And then, yeah, check out some of those bowl games and you know, your Purdue Boilermakers are playing on New Year's day. Right? Uh, currently on here in the uh, corner TV. Oh, and the boilers just got a big pass. We're down 21, 10 okay. mid second quarter, but, uh, it's going to be a lot of points in this game. So we can always make a comeback. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, have a great weekend. Happy New Year, Action. We'll talk on Saturday to firm up our picks, and then, um, you know, we'll go from there. So follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter. Follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right, everybody. Happy New Year. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action.
Side Action Podcast, its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests. Statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast, and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict. Individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made, as the Side Action Podcast, its owners, hosts, associates, or guests will not guarantee any advice given. The opinions and advice given on the Side Action Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.